It's time to take off your clothes, enjoy clothes-free living, and join us for Naked, Nudist, and Naturist. Welcome to Naked, Nudist, and Naturist, the show that celebrates clothes-free living for all. I'm your host, Frank Stone. And I'm your correspondent, Lisa Monroe, and I'll be reporting on all things within the Naturist community. So it's time to get naked and join us. And enjoy clothes-free living on Naked, Nudist, and Naturists. Well, greetings and welcome in to Naked, Nudist, and Naturist, episode 32 today. We thank you for being with us. Come on in. The pool is fine. The hot tub is fired up. The grill is going with hamburgers, hot dogs, and steaks. Off to the left, you'll see a cooler totally filled with ice and your favorite drink. And off to the right, we have some vegetables and fruit and even some cheese and crackers. How about that? Let's just enjoy this hour together. Clothes free for all of the right reasons, whatever you call it. Naked, nude, nudism, nudist, naturist, naturism. Clothes free living for all of the right reasons. You feel the elements on your skin, the breeze, the sun. Even if it's a little chilly today, wherever you are, especially in the Northern Hemisphere, that's okay. Just go out there for a few minutes. Maybe you can't stay eight hours in the sun, but you can stay two minutes and get the feel of that wind on your skin. There's just nothing like it. It's one of the greatest feelings ever. And I remember that feeling the first time that it happened. And I've heard that from everybody to whom I've spoken who's taken their clothes off uh, outside, enjoyed clothes for living in the outdoors. That feeling when the skin embraces your entire body, clothes-free, is a feeling that cannot be described but needs to be repeated often because it feels so good and emotionally, mentally, even intellectually, and certainly physically just makes you feel a whole lot better. Well, we appreciate you being with us today. On today's show... Part two of my interview with Steve from New Zealand, also goes by the name Bop Badger, and he runs a blog, A Comfort of Naturists, and just like last week, you can go ahead and look it up now if you want to. He has a brand new post every Thursday, and so if you didn't check it out in the last couple of days, now's your time, but don't leave us. Just leave the show on while you check out Steve slash Bop Badger and his a blog on naturism, a comfort of naturists. We will also, of course, have Lisa Monroe on the show today. She's not here yet. She's due at about the nine, ten minute mark today. <laughs> so we're expecting to hear wheels screeching and her car whipping in any moment now. Uh, but she will be here. We'll read through an email. And also we have a special announcement today. We had uh, several episodes ago, naturist fiction author D.H. Jonathan on the show. And we are happy to announce today that he has a brand new book coming out this Tuesday. Now, today is Saturday, February 3rd, so this Tuesday, February the 6th of 2024. Brand new book, The Tattoo Collector. And as he described it to me, it's not truly a naturist book. It's more of, a, I believe, a murder mystery. But knowing D.H. Jonathan, and he explained this as well, of course, there's naturism involved It's just not a fully blown naturism book, but yeah, naked people in there, and I'll let him uh, fill in the gap when he comes on. He has a 
a voicemail that he sent to us explaining his new book. So we have that to look forward to. We'll play that during uh, a segment today with Lisa Monroe. On last week's show, uh, I had asked you for some feedback on other topics. We are totally fine with naturism, clothes free living for all of the right reasons, all of the time. But we are also willing to branch out into certain areas, not every area under the sun, but any area that involves, I guess for lack of a better term, naked fun. Things you like to do with your clothes off. Doesn't necessarily have to be naturism, because again, the show was naked, nudists, and naturists. We got all three in there, so we have the room to expand. We talked about CFNM last week. Got a lot of responses on that, a lot of interest in that, much more than I would have thought. Uh, But then again, you don't know until you put it out there. But a lot of people seem interested in that. A few people wrote in about uh, naked skydiving. Yeah, that's a thing. And from what I was told by a few people, uh, those who do skydiving just for fun, when they get to their 100th skydive, that is done totally clothes-free. It's just the way they celebrate their 100th skydive. Whether they're a naturist or not, in fact, most of them are not. The first 99... Close on. Number 100, close off. 101, close go back on. They're not naturists, but they do celebrate being naked for their 100th skydive. Might be worth looking into. Somebody mentioned, and I knew this story, it's at least 20 years ago, if not 25 years ago, a young lady at the time. She was in high school at her high school graduation. And she was to give a speech. I don't know if she was the valedictorian or some other honoree. She had her uh, graduation gown on, as we all did at one time. And as she was making her speech or before she started, she took the gown off and she was 100% naked. And then gave her speech totally clothes-free in front of everybody. All of the students, the parents, the teachers, the administrators, and, of course, there's nothing they could do at that point. They couldn't suspend her. She was graduating. She was already done with all of her work. And now she's uh, in her at least mid-30s, if not later 30s, or possibly even 40, around that age. Would a story like that be worth exploring? You know, that's very old, and it's already seen its time in the sunlight, but that was mentioned by a few people as well. But again, the bottom line is this. We want to give you what you want. And the numbers are off the charts huge. We don't give specific numbers here. I've explained that before. It just wouldn't do any good. It would come off as uh, bragging and boasting, and we don't do that. We just enjoy the show. Yes, we work very hard at it. Lots of hours, more than you could probably imagine. No need getting into that either. But it's a labor of love, and we truly do love clothes-free living for all the right reasons. We also thoroughly enjoy promoting the lifestyle, and we enjoy hearing from you, and we enjoy providing the information to you, which we give you every single week. That's one of the nicest things about this show, people have told me. Without fail, 100% consistency every Saturday morning, 6 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time. They can get up, or if you're over in Europe, you might be five or six hours ahead of us, but at that time, fire it up. And there you go. It's there waiting for you every Saturday, 6 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time, brand new episode. And that's when we listen to it as well. Lisa gets up early. Uh, So as soon as it hits Spotify, she can put it on the website. And uh, she and I listen together, starting at about 6.01 or so, because I need to uh, post it on Twitter. 
And we, that's when we listen. So if you're listening to it as soon as it comes out every Saturday morning, well, just know that you're listening to us as we are closed free uh, in the studio slash office. Also, and by the way, Lisa is walking in right now. <laughs> She's making her way to the microphone. She'll be with us in just a moment. On the next two episodes, episodes 33 and 34, uh, we'll be hosting uh, Fiona. I'm sure you know uh, Fiona Discom, part of the Mike and Fiona team, or the Fiona and Mike team, depending on how you look at it. They literally own what they call a hotel on a boat. They live on a boat, and it's set up as a hotel. You can uh, rent there, just like you would rent a room at a hotel, a minimum three-night stay. They do all the cooking. They go up and down this canal system at four miles an hour, as she'll explain in the interview. And they'll also take uh, their guests, uh, their customers, to restaurants. If they want to go up and down a canal and say, hey, I like that restaurant, let's go. And of course, they have to put their clothes on for that. But they run a naturist hotel on a boat. And Fiona and uh, her husband, Mike, are uh, huge, huge advocates of naturism over in the, uh, the U.K. And we talked to uh, Fiona recently, but we'll play that interview, uh, part one, next week and part two on episode 34. You are listening to Naked, Nudist, and Naturist, episode 32 today. We love having you with us. We look forward to this time together, and we know that you do too. Celebrating clothes-free living for all of the right reasons. And as you can tell by the music that is sneaking up on us ever so sweetly, it is time for the great, the one and only, the terrific, the beyond outstanding, Lisa Monroe. Here she is once again dancing to her seat as I speak. <laughs> the terrific, the 100% clothes free and smiling. Lisa Monroe. Good morning, Lisa. How are you today? Good morning, Frank. And just so everyone knows, we do dance in the studio. We just don't always dance while we're chatting. <laughs> That's true. I mean, these people need to learn to dance. <laughs> That's right. You know, I, until you just mentioned that, it didn't hit me. We're always dancing. You know, we walk into, we, we don't walk into a room. We just kind of, hey, you know, it's, uh, we're dancing to the Bee Gees and Saturday Night Live or Saturday Night Fever, whatever that movie was, and just having a good time, enjoying life. Now, now disco music is best yeah. to dance to. I mean, oh, that absolutely. and, and yeah. for me, Motown. Give me a yeah. Motown song and I am <laughs> jiving. <laughs> you know, one of the tricks back in the 70s, and I only know this by reading ancient history books because it was way, <laughs> way before we were born. <laughs> so you'd hear a disco tune on the radio. It'd be about three minutes long, kind of a typical song on the radio. But they would also create a long play version or an EP, extended play. And it might go on 10, 12, 15, 20 minutes. So if you went to the club, which I did not do, I didn't go to disco clubs because I was too young. Let me point, point that out. Uh, you know, you would be on the dance floor for 15 minutes to one song. And that, that's why people got into a frenzy and just loved it so much. Like, wow, this song never ends. This is great. Uh, but that's uh, we, we don't dance for 20 minutes straight here. I guess we should point that out. But we do enjoy it. We certainly do enjoy it. And I'm not sure I could dance for 20 minutes straight any longer, <laughs> but I sure try. Um, no, right. it's it's just fun. And we have yeah. fun. And we sing a lot around here, just enjoying life. And I don't want to make uh, too much conversation about all of the fun that we have here. And we really do enjoy it because the other part of that is we work really hard at what we do. It's not all fun and games, but at the same time, even when we're working really hard, it feels like fun and games. So I don't know. Maybe that's the best way to describe it. 
I think it's the environment. I think it's the people. I think it's that we have a great attitude about what we do and and about the people who are responding so well to what we've done. And we really appreciate mm-hmm. that because that just helps drive us to, to strive even more to do, you know, what people want. And but, you know, if you don't have fun in life, what's the point? You know, yep, there's yep, serious right. times when you have to go adulting, but there are times when you need to be. <laughs> you know, to, to remember the joy you had as a child and live that joy. There you go. There you go. We often lose that in life. Like, well, I'm a little bit older now. I better be more serious. Well, yeah, there are times you must be more serious as an adult, but don't lose sight of what it was like to be a kid. Just enjoy. What's that expression? Dance like nobody is watching. Well, yeah, just have fun. Just enjoy while getting work done at the same time. Absolutely. I wanted to uh, address an email today. It's from a gentleman uh, we cannot identify by name because of what he does for a living. He's a pastor, and he doesn't want any information out there about him, even where he lives, so we will honor that. But let's read that uh, together, and Lisa, I'll kick it off. Uh, uh, Frank and Lisa, it feels like episodes 21 and 22 were made for me. That was when we had uh, Pastor Jim on. Like Jim, I am a pastor who believes that non-sexual social nudity is a great path toward body acceptance, freedom from the temptations of pornography, and is ultimately the original plan that God had for mankind. However, also like the man's story that you featured in episode 21, my wife is opposed to social nudity outside of the home. She was raised to believe, like most Christians, that nudity was meant only for your spouse and has trouble considering that non-sexual social nudity could be a path toward a happier life overall. Why don't you take it from there? If you'd like to share with your audience, I have a bit of advice and a word of caution to anyone who finds they are in the same situation with their spouse. Early on in my marriage, it was clear to me that my wife would not truly consider social nudity. As a young idiot... I chose to sneak around behind her back to take part in a few socially nude activities. As with almost anything in marriage, you cannot hide much for very long. When she found out about my deception, she rightfully felt hurt and betrayed. It might be tempting to sneak off to enjoy social nudity if your spouse is opposed to it, but it is not worth it. I have spent years working to rebuild her trust, and if I could go back, I would have been 100% honest. I always wonder that if maybe I was honest with my intentions and worked over time to make her slightly more comfortable with the idea, we might be in a different place. Not only could social nudity be part of our lives, but I could completely skip the hurt I caused her with my foolishness. All right. And continuing on, however, I do want to offer some encouragement as well. After some time went by, she became comfortable with my nudity in the home, especially after the kids were in bed. As my kids began to reach preschool and school age, I have been open with her about my desire for nudity in our home to be casual. I shared with her that my first experience with pornography as a child was rooted in a desire to simply see what my body might look like when I was an adult. Unfortunately, the only nudity I had access to was sexually explicit, as my family was very private about nudity. I strongly believe that if my son and daughter have a curiosity about what an adult nude body looks like, I want them to see that in our home. After a few conversations, my wife agreed to not make a big deal about changing, getting out of the shower, etc., and allowing our kids to see us naked during these times by simply leaving doors open 
or allowing them in when they requested to use the bathroom while we were in there. Our plan is to let them drive privacy in our home, and until they become uncomfortable with our nudity or theirs, we will simply be casual about the naked body. Take it from there. Although I believe I, my wife, and my kids could all benefit from social nudity outside of the home, I'm thankful that at least in our house, nudity is not a big deal. If our casual family nudity can keep my kids from stumbling across sexually explicit images by simply curtailing any curiosity they might have, then I believe my family is getting a large portion of the benefits that social nudity provides. And to finish up, thank you for your podcast. I began listening to nudist and naturism podcasts out of a desire to figure out if my beliefs about social nudity were crazy or not. Shows like yours, and specifically Pastor Jim's website, have helped me see that I am not alone in being a Christian that believes in the positive power of social nudity. And again, he signed it, and we're not giving his name or location uh, out of uh, respect for his uh, request and concern. So thoughts on that, Lisa? Take it away. Wow, there's a lot to unpack here because he's hit on, I think, um, some extremely important things about social nudism. Number one, I'm no counselor. We don't profess to be counselors here. But for heaven's sakes, be honest with the people that matter in your life. If you're going to live with someone and you're a nudist, tell them. Or if you're going to want to live with someone and you're a nudist, tell them. Because, you know, don't keep secrets because these are very fundamental secrets that will come out. And then this man has spent the rest of his life trying to atone for his quote-unquote sin, if you want to call it that. It's just, you know, just be honest. The other thing is about, and I think he's very spot on about the curiosity of children and what drives them. I grew up in a relatively socially nude, very conservative home. There was no such thing. But my parents were not prudes. They weren't, you know, screaming and yelling about it all the time. And, but yet I was still curious and, you know, so are, are all kids. So he has hit on something I think it's very important. It truly is. And, uh, you know, Jennifer has talked uh, many times around here. You know, she was raised uh, from birth like I was, uh, fully nude. But her entire family uh, were naturists. Mine was not really. I mean, my dad was. My mom really was not. My sister really was not. It, it just kind of a tradition uh, coming from my mom's side of the family. This is how things worked. Well, Jennifer said basically everybody was naked all the time. Not only her immediate family, but aunts and uncles, cousins, grandparents. It just That's what they did for years and have done for years. And she said it actually helped her to develop self-esteem, confidence, and also, and this I hadn't thought about this until she mentioned it, but she's able to weed out the phonies in life fairly quickly. You know, a man hits on her or talks to her. It's like, okay, this guy's an idiot. Bye. <laughs> and she thinks because everything was so open, she can see right through everybody, which I guess, uh, should we be concerned about that? Or are we okay with her, do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I think that, um, first off, she's quite the inspiration for those of us who came into naturism as an adult, pretty much, for me anyway. You had experiences as a child. I did not. And like I said, I didn't grow up in a in a prudish household at all but you know but I did grow up in a household that you didn't run around naked you know if my dad was going to zip across the hall to go to the take a shower I was you know at age five or six told to sit in the living room and don't move um you know so it's we were all we all grew up with a little bit of baggage but I think that that 
once you know this lifestyle, you can pretty much feel who's not being truthful about it. Yeah. I really think you can. Yeah, that's a very good way to put it. And, you know, this gentleman who wrote this uh, email that we just read, you know, he talks about pornography. Now, very few people understand this until you've ventured in and tried it. Okay, let's say you have an addiction to pornography. You just can't get enough. You're firing up videos and magazines. and Oh, baby, this is great. And then somebody says, hey, why don't we go to an, a nude beach where there are a thousand naked people and the person addicted to pornography or into it says, hey, baby, that sounds great. And then you get to the resort and there's none of that. None of that. That is hard to explain to people. We're going to have a bunch of naked people together and nothing will be sexual about it. And of course, the response is, oh, yeah, right. Let's go. And then they get there and say, well, shoot, you're right. And then somehow, some way, I haven't figured out the scientific or emotional answer yet. There are people who know more about this than we do. But that addiction to pornography goes away. It went away for this gentleman. It's gone away for some other guests that we've had before. Do you have anything to add to that as far as why that would be such a thing and why that would work? You see a bunch of naked people. You hang around in social nudity, social naturism situations. And all the junk dissipates. You just don't have that anymore. Why is that? Well, again, if you've if you've had to sneak around to look at someone nude and because you've never seen someone nude and those magazines, videos, et cetera, are not promoting people just naked. They're promoting yeah. people doing things naked. It's very yeah. sexual in tone. It's very graphic. It's very sometimes very demeaning. And so people start to associate even their own sexuality with that, those images. So when you have that and you walk into a, a, a nudist resort or onto a nude beach where people are just enjoying themselves and the, the fact they're naked has nothing to do with that enjoyment, then maybe, you know, for some, if they're truly addicted, they're just not, they're going to be unhappy and they'll never come back. I don't think that yeah. because addiction to pornography is, is, is an addiction in some levels. Sometimes it's just an escape. And for those people that it's just an escape, if they can walk into a nudist resort and see no one cares about that and they learn to readjust and enjoy people's personalities and forget about what they look like, then, you know, then they've made a big leap forward in, in how they've, how they look at the world, I think, and how they spend their time and how they, you know, respect both men and women. And yeah. it's a big thing for the respect for women. Yeah. And one yeah. of the reasons that most nudist uh, resorts really don't let a lot of unattached guys walk in. Yeah. And that's sad. Yeah, because there are some guys who will use that. Hey, you mean I can go to this resort and see a bunch of naked chicks? Uh, sign me up. Uh, wh what do I do? And uh, that's all wrong, obviously. And I think a lot of those people get there and they realize, oh, it's not what I thought it was. And they either leave to pursue what uh, whatever they're doing or they kind of, oh, this is actually better. I, I feel more comfortable and I feel more alive here. So hopefully it works out for them. But but it is true. When I think we said it a few shows ago. When everybody is naked, nobody is naked. I've heard that expression before. It's not mine. But it's true. And other people have said, you know, when you encounter a naked person, you really make eye contact and you focus on that, on the person. If they have a bikini on or a thong, you're checking other parts out and you're not really even 
thinking about, well, what's this person really like? You don't care. You just want to see the body parts that are accentuated. But a nude person, you don't do that. It's just a, a natural reaction. I'm naked. You're naked. We're making eye contact and having a great conversation. Funny how that works, isn't it? It is funny how that works. And, <laughs> you know, I think part of it, too, is that when you go to a nudist resort the first time, even if you like being nude, Mm-hmm. And you're always cognizant of that. Oh my God, where do I look? What do I do? Especially when you haven't been there very long. So right. you force yourself to look at someone's face as opposed to, yeah. you know, glancing about the room. And guess what? Eventually that becomes the norm. And because we, <laughs> we're humans, we can be reconditioned and we can also follow the sheep and, you know, be sheep and do all those things. So, you know, it's a lot of how we react to being at a nudist resort is simply what effort we put into it. We need to know what we're supposed to do. Yep. Yeah. Very well said. Now in the time remaining, I wanted to play a voicemail uh, for our listeners today. We had the author D.H. Jonathan on the show uh, several episodes ago. He was one of our earlier guests And he's a naturist fiction author. He's writing other fiction as well. And he has a new book coming out, The Tattoo Collector, which, as I understand it, is not a naturist fiction book. It's a mystery. But there's naturism involved. Uh, So let's give that a a voicemail a listen right now. Hey, Frank and Lisa. This is uh, Dan Hawkins, uh, former guest on your show. And I just wanted to leave you a little uh, voice message and tell you that uh, I've got a new book coming out. It is called The Tattoo Collector by D.H. Jonathan, my pen name. It's a suspense thriller with a serial killer and an FBI agent, Uh, but it also includes a naturist couple. Uh, Naturism isn't the focus of this book. This is meant to appeal to mainstream audiences like like a regular James Patterson book. But being a naturist myself, I had to make some of the characters naturists too. So there are scenes that uh, when they go to a naturist resort, uh, uh, the, the, the couple, uh, the, they, they have a custom where they get naked at home after they get home from work, and that's in the book. So uh, check it out. The, the Kindle edition is available for pre-orders on Amazon. Uh, they won't let me put the paperback up for pre-order yet, or Amazon won't. So, uh, but the book goes on sale February 6th of 2024. Uh, The paperback will be available to order February 3rd, I think. And hopefully people who order it that day will get it by the 6th, which is the official release date. So check it out and uh, let me know what you think, and uh, I'll talk to you later. Bye. And again, uh, as D.H. Jonathan said, that book will be available this coming Tuesday, February the 6th. So obviously today is uh, Saturday, February 3rd. His book will be available this Tuesday, and so you can get it. And uh, you know we've had uh, well, we've had four naturist uh, authors on the show. One has not appeared on the show, but I've already conducted the interview. But we had Will Forrest, we had Ted Bunn, we've had D. H. Jonathan on the show. They've appeared as guests, and uh, the other one is Paul Z. Walker. Uh, already did the interview with Paul, and he'll be coming up a little later this month and early into next month. But I encourage people, and I'm sure you do too, because I know you're you're a writer as well. We, someday we'll talk about that in more detail. But I'm an advocate for everything. You know, if you're if you're considering naturism, if you're already fully blown into it and always have been, still soak up the information. Sh- shows like this, of course, but also books. Read all that's out there, and I, I'm sure you agree with that. I certainly do, and and 
I think that one of the things that we can do as naturists, if we write, is we can write naturism into our stories. Now, some people yeah. are going to go, oh, my goodness, I don't want to read that. Well, yeah. you know what? They're more explicit sex scenes in, in just common books. So just mm-hmm. forget that. Yeah. Let's look at this as a natural lifestyle and incorporate it in the stories. I know I've written a few things that have done just that. And it's it's just really important to encompass the whole process and these authors are doing a really good job of bringing that sort of mainstream and most of them are quite successful now they may only be you know there's a huge nature's community a lot bigger than i believe anyone realizes so so you know they they may be drawing from that niche which is perfectly fine because it's reinforcing but those few people that if he writes a mystery and he puts naturism in it he may reach people who've never thought about it or didn't understand yeah. it. And guess what? Yeah. He's not only entertained the public, but he has educated the public. And I think it's a fabulous thing. Now, obviously, I've not seen this book yet because it's not coming out until this coming Tuesday. But I did listen to his first book, the audio book. And uh, we recommend everybody here. If you're a naturist author, naturist fiction author, and you're putting out content, we recommend people. So definitely check out Ted Bunn and Will Forrest and Paul Z. Walker and obviously D.H. Jonathan and his new book, The Tattoo Collector, coming out on uh, this Tuesday. And with that, Lisa, we need to head for the hills. We have a couple of other things to do on today's show. Always great to see you. I really appreciate all that you do for us. And, you know, I've mentioned it before, you entirely by yourself. I don't know how you do it, but by yourself, you run the website. Everything website related is yours. You do a great job, and we have a lot of visitors there on a daily basis, just as we have a lot of listeners to the show. And we don't put out our listener numbers only because that it's just something we've never done. I was thinking uh, this morning when I, uh, you know, a couple hundred years ago was in school and I got an A in a class or an A on an exam. I never walked around and said, hey, I got an A. I, di- I didn't tell anybody. And sometimes people would say, well, what'd you get? Well, you know, I did OK. Well, what'd you get? Well, it was good. Great. Well, what'd you get? Okay, I got an A. Oh, you, you know, you, <laughs> you hear the comments like, well, I didn't want to tell you and I didn't tell you till you asked me the 50th time. So we don't brag or put numbers out there, but they're really good. They're really high. And all the work you do with the website. Uh, great work to you. Always uh, great to work with you and have you here. Thank you. And, and the, doing the website's fun. And I must say that the response has been much quicker and larger than I expected on the website. Yeah, I just like seeing that map pop up because the <laughs> the fact is naturism has a global reach and oh, yeah. and the internet has a global reach and, and we're seeing that global reach happen. And, you know, when... <laughs> When Zimbabwe pops up, you know, or, or, you know, some, what was it? That little, um, there's a little country in Europe and I can't, they, they yeah. always, um, Magovia or whatever. I can't remember the name of yeah. it, but it's like this yeah. little, like two square mile uh, country. We had someone from there. And I'm like, I know now this yeah. is cool. <laughs> and so it's just wonderful to know that people are listening uh, and yeah. hopefully we're reaching people. Yeah, and we appreciate every single individual listener very much. We would probably do this show if we had nobody listening because we just enjoy it so much. But the fact that everybody is listening, we appreciate very much. And Lisa, with that, we will sign off. I have a great close-free, highly smiling week, and we'll see you next time. Okay, Frank, you too, and I'm dancing out of here. You got it. (laughs) Bye. 
<laughs> the terrific Lisa Monroe just went shimmying out of here, if that's even a term we still use in 2024. I think that's about 100 years old at least. Uh, went dancing out of here. And we appreciate uh, all of the time that Lisa Monroe gives to us. Does a great job. Brings joy to the studio. Also brings baked goods, you know, cookies and sometimes fruit and vegetables. Always comes in uh, with something in her hands or arms uh, to serve to everybody here. And so uh, we appreciate Lisa Monroe not only for that, but everything else that she does. Obviously the segments with us, but also uh, all of the website uh, work that she does. And you can reach us again at uh, nakedforevermore at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter. That's probably the best place. You'll get a quicker response there. You can also reach out to us on Spotify or our website, nakednudisandnaturist.com. Well, let's get to part two now of my interview with the very terrific Steve from New Zealand. As I mentioned last week, we're not using his last name because he's in corporate, not corporate America, but I guess corporate New Zealand, and he needs to keep it on the, the down low. But he writes an excellent blog. The guy's a terrific writer. I don't say that lightly or loosely. I only say it when I mean it. And he writes this blog called A Comfort of Naturists. And he goes by the name Bop Badger. But his real name is Steve. So let's get to it uh, right now. Part two of my interview with Steve from New Zealand. Now, also on your blog, uh, you uh, discussed uh, basically a high school reunion. And uh, you had to fly to get there. Other people had to fly from other countries to get there. And a good time was had by all. And, of course, some have passed away. Some have changed. But at the same time, a lot of people haven't changed at all. They're basically the same people they were, you know, a long time ago. Uh, but did anybody know about your uh, naturist activities when you were in high school? Or did it come up during the uh, reunion? Uh, just curious about that. No, I, I didn't particularly share at school. Um, yeah. High school can be a pretty um, brutal place um, in in some respects. I enjoyed my high school years, Mm -hmm. but um, it wasn't a topic I was prepared to to sort of to share. I wasn't overly naturist. I mean, I'd skinny dip and things like that um, Mm -hmm. and, you know, um, take the opportunity when I was um, um, at the beach or something just to to get naked. But um, it wasn't something that I did at college or with my college friends as such. Um, I don't think any of my, or the topic wasn't really raised or discussed. I saw it as irrelevant um, to a greater degree. It's, you know, a personal choice. Um, Don't necessarily discuss people's religion. I don't discuss their beliefs. Um, I don't share mine. It's it's a personal choice and it wasn't really... um, raised I'm, I'm not sure whether anyone knows or not or whether yep. anyone's reads my blog I, I don't know they haven't said if they do yeah no I and I, I assume that and it's not something like you said you know you don't know or care about their religious beliefs and this is your way of life and it's really nobody's business unless they find out about it or want to ask you about it you also talked about world naked gardening day and every time this comes up of course in the United States it's uh, spring and it's getting warm but where you are, it, it's cold on that day. But when people ask me, like, hey, you're going to get naked for a World Naked Gardening Day? And I said, uh, my answer is, well, if the day ends with the letter Y, yeah, I probably will. Because every day is Naked Gardening Day. And that's basically how you see it as well, right? Pretty much, yeah. We do have um, uh, a World Naked Gardening Day here in October. 
um, yep. which is warmer weather for us. Um, yep. And in fact, in previous years, um, it has been promoted by um, a seed company. We have a company here okay. um, that sells plants and seeds, and they've gotten in behind the idea of World Naked Garden Day. Um, I don't think they did the last couple of years, but um, yeah, so it's, um, and they they um, see it as a bit of fun and a bit of advertising. Yeah. Um, so there is often uh, marketing around World Naked Garden Day, um, but it's, um, yeah, I mean, f- for us, for my partner and I, where we are now, um, pretty much in, any day in the garden's naked. Yeah. We have a private section, <laughs> so, um, you know, <laughs> it's no special day. <laughs> it's, it's just yeah, another exactly. day in the garden. Yeah. Well, even in your blog, you basically said uh, World Naked Gardening Day is not really tailored to naturists because, as you just said, you're naked in the garden all the time. This is for the non-naturists. It's to make, maybe increase their awareness, get them to try it and try something new. Is that how basically how you see it? Yeah, I do. I, th- I think it's um, it's one of the things that I think naturist groups and naturist organisations around the world should should perhaps consider are these gateway um, activities that allow non-naturists to experience naturism but without jumping in with both feet it's like dipping a toe into the warm waters of naturism Um, because if you give them a special day or a special event or like the world naked bike ride or you do naked gardening day or or something like that then you it's an excuse for them to to give it a go without actually a lot of the fear and stigma that's attached to it Um, and they think oh you know they might like it or not um but i think too often a lot of the naturist activities the naturism it's about the naturism first rather than the activity and i think if we can if the naturist organizations can get behind clothing optional activities where it's more about the activity and the clothing optional side is um the secondary thing then i think you 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 may find that you can softly introduce naturism to people um, and and possibly be more effective at it. Um, things like uh, body painting um, yeah. at a festival. Right. I mean you you look at you look at body painting and you know, everyone will have a go at that. You know, they they don't sure. see that as threatening or weird or or you know, it's a bit of fun. It's oh well we're you know, we're at a at a fair or a festival or something like that and there's a bit of body painting going on. Um, yeah, and everybody gets in and everybody enjoys it. No one, no one complains to the to the press or complains to the police about someone being body painted. Yeah, it is. Uh, you're right. Kind of like a gateway to try it. Like I'm not trying to be naked here. I just want my body painted, or I'm not trying to be naked here. I just want to make sure my flowers go this uh, grow this year. Uh, but it's all tied together. Now, can you think of some other activities like that? Uh, obviously, World uh, Naked Gardening Day gets people to try it. The World Naked Bike Ride gets people to try it. Anything else that you can think of that caters to non-naturists to give it a shot? We've we've done a couple of naturist hikes um, oh, yeah. around the area. So um, we'll do a, a, a four-hour hike um, in, into the, the bush area that we, you know, we've got, we've got a lot of uh, parks and wildlife area where, um, you know, you can go and yes, you see people, but I guess the thing there is most of the people who are out there hiking aren't offended by nudity. Um, 
occasionally we in all the ones I've done I've only had one person object um, and he was quite um, yeah, we weren't going to change his mind or anything but it, it was it was an altercation on a bridge um, crossing a river um, and uh, he just he just ranted and called us disgusting and said we should all be ashamed of ourselves and oh, wow. and um, it was um, it was it was interesting because um, you know, none of us had anybody shame, so um, he yeah. he appeared to. So um, yeah, we sort of felt sorry for him. Uh, you know, that's one of the the issues that I keep bringing up to people a lot uh, in the world today. Is uh, we've lost. I think we've lost. Like it's totally gone now. Just about uh, the art or the skill of discussion and debate. Like if you were to tell me, Steve, we're talking to Steve from New Zealand. He writes the blog, The Comfort of Naturist. If you were to tell me I love to run around outside with my clothes off and I, by way of example, am never naked other than when I shower, I would say to you, well, you run around all day without your clothes off. Tell me about that. What does it feel like? Any issue with neighbors? I would ask questions to learn more about it. Not what goes on today. You run around with your clothes off or you're an idiot, you're stupid and you're a psycho and a weirdo and whatever we're talking about it. In this case, it's naturism, but it seems like if anybody disagrees with anybody, uh, they just call each other a loser and, and, and a bunch of other names, and then they just get in attack mode, and then they go away both angry. Is there any way to get back to that? There's a civil course of debate to learn and learn as much as we can or not? Yeah, there probably is, but it means getting rid of all social media and technology and going back to writing letters and talking to each other. I think we've missed that boat. I think we live in a culture of offence. Everybody wants to be offended by something and everybody has a strong opinion and will shout down anyone who disagrees with them. Um, We've become so tribal um, and so fragmented as a society. Um, Everybody wants to identify as their own little pocket and anyone who doesn't agree with that... um, is, is sort of shunned and, you know, okay, yes, I'm a naturist. I like to spend time outdoors, you know. Oh, well, that's that's wrong. That's abhorrent. You know, I can't accept that. You're, you're weird. And and there isn't, there isn't, you're right, there's no discussion. There's, we've lost that art of conversation and we've lost that art of discussion. Um, and, and even after having a conversation, I might still disagree with you, but at least we've had the opportunity to, to, to talk about it or to explain you know, what it is that we like about naturism or what it is that, you know, we feel good about ourselves. And and the thing that it surprises me is almost everybody I know who has, you know, new to naturism said, oh, my God, why didn't I try this sooner? Yeah. You know, yeah. Why, why did it take me so long to get to find this? You know, all of a sudden the body confidence issues have gone, you know, the, the barriers have dropped, you know, most people, they, they, they're terrified on their first, first trip to a naturist event, but five minutes later, they're talking to people and they're engaged and they're, it's just, it's transformational, but most people just won't give it a go. No, no, not at all. I even had a discussion recently with somebody way off the naturism topic, but it's a good example of how it works in naturism too. One of my favorite singers of all time is Frank Sinatra. I just think he was one of the best. Now, he wasn't perfect. He had his flaws singing-wise. Obviously, personality-wise, he had some issues too. Uh, but his phrasing, his preparation, he was just top-of-the-line professional. And I mentioned to somebody about half my age, 
I said, uh, have you listened to any Frank Sinatra tunes recently? Because here's a good one I, I think you should listen to. And the person said, Frank Sinatra is awful. He's a terrible singer. Now, I was shocked. I never heard anybody say that. And I said, well, why would you say that? And the answer was, well, because he just is. It's not, he's not worth listening to. He's no good. And I said, I know. You've said that already. You said he's no good twice. Tell me why he's no good. Now, a lot of people would have said, well, you're an idiot if you don't like Frank Sinatra. Because you know, that's how we kind of go with each other today. But I try to get the person to explain because maybe there's something I missed. Maybe he's not a good singer. Maybe I overvalued him. I don't know. I certainly don't know everything. So tell me what you're thinking, and then I'll try to put it all together. Of course, the person had nothing other than he was a terrible singer. But that's what goes on now is we just shoot at each other without any basis or any reasoning or any facts to back it up. But I think also this this part of society is so used to everything being manipulated and edited and, um, you know, auto-tuned and, and things like that. You know, you look back at the singers of the of the 50s and 60s, their voices were that what's recorded is what is how they sounded there wasn't the manipulation or the, the you know the, the 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 that polishing of the of the to, to, to produce a final product that today's music has and yeah okay frank sinatra is not to everyone's taste i don't i don't own any of his music but i won't turn him off if he's on the radio it's, it's yeah. um you know perfectly adequate voice i think people trump um have difficulty articulating what they think or what they feel. And I wonder whether some of it is, is, is a lost skill in language or, or, or um, that ability to articulate what you're thinking. Well, it was a loss of critical thinking. Uh, I, every time I've asked, gotten into a conversation with everybody, anybody, if they say something that I've not heard before or I don't agree with, rather than shoot back, I'll ask them to explain their position. Okay, so you think, uh, again, you know, you think Sinatra is a bad singer. Tell me why. What is it about his singing that ticks you off or you don't think he's very good? That's how we learn. And I, I've always said the moment we say, well, I know it all. Sinatra is awful. End of discussion. As soon as we think we know it all, that's when we stop learning. And maybe it's just a lifelong learning mode. Tell me more. Tell me more. You might be right. I don't know. But uh, that falls into naturism, too. You know, you guys have your clothes off. You're a bunch of nutcases as opposed to, okay, tell me what it does for you. And you've explained it very well. You know, you just feel alive and you can't imagine being with clothes on. And you gave some reasons for it. You actually justified your position, which is what I wish more people would do. Now, you also wrote an article, you know, It's Not Just Us. Of course, the us, uh, you know, you kind of played with words there. You're talking about the U.S., the USA in this case. We had a case in uh, Florida at a, a charter school. I think it was a charter school where they showed uh, a statue of uh, Michelangelo, uh, his the statue of David. They showed it to sixth graders. And as I recall, all heck broke loose. And the principal actually got fired for that, which is semi-amazing because she was not the teacher of the class. But, you know, the teacher stayed in place. The principal got fired because of all this nonsense over, oh, my goodness, you showed a naked statue that is considered to be one of the greatest works of arts in history. And then you gave some other examples as well. What, you, what is your take on that? This is from your May 4th uh, blog. I, I struggle with people who can't um, appreciate art um, or who can't differentiate between art and pornography. Yeah. Um, uh, they're worlds apart. There, there is no comparison. Um, 
you know, it, 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 it defies belief. I, I don't understand it. Yeah. Um, again, I think it's this culture of offence. Oh, my God, you you know, you showed my kid a naked man. You know, okay, he was hundreds of years old and carved in marble. Yeah, it just defies belief. I, and, you know, I see, you know, books being banned and, and um, in the States at the moment, I read somewhere recently that Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet had been taken off the shelves at a school um, because of the, the, you know, the, the sex scenes or, the, or, or whatever. And it's just, it's, you know, when you start banning books, I think you're on a slippery slope to... Yeah. Um, some pretty, <laughs> some pretty serious consequences for society. I, I, I don't think it's going to end well. Yeah. Well, I've always said if you don't like something, don't look at it. Don't watch it. Don't listen to it. Just stay away. So, you know, like... Uh, you don't have to read it. Yeah. Well, exactly. Like a book. Okay, this book is in our library. I hate that book. I'm going to start a campaign to get rid of that book. Why expend that energy? Just don't check that book out and don't let your kids check it out if that's your philosophy too. And then you move on to the next item in life, right? Yeah, I wonder if maybe some parents um, just don't want to ask those questions, answer those questions that kids are going to ask. Yep. You know, if their kid comes to them and says, "Hey, you know, what's this? Um, you know, what is sex? What is what? Why? What's this about?" Mm-hmm. Um, it's easier just to not have them read the book in the first place than answer an <laughs> awkward question. Yeah, we had a state in the United States, obviously fifty states here. And I think it was the state of Utah, which is far out west in the United States, toward the north and out west. Uh, They were banning books based on sexual uh, connotation or nudity or whatever. And they got rid of a bunch of books. The school board did. And somebody showed up at a meeting and said, well, you still have the Bible in the school library. And they said, well, that's true. They said, well, there's nudity in the Bible. And they said, oh, my goodness, you're right. They banned the Bible at a, a public library or a school library. Of course, then the whole town became unglued, like, are you guys kidding me? What is going on in this town? We want the Bible put back in. If you don't want to read it, don't read it. But we want it there for the kids who do want to read it. And the school board caved to community pressure, as they should, because they're there representing uh, the town and the majority uh, rules, of course. They didn't put the other books back. Correct. Correct. And I, and I disagree with that, too. That's, that's what I was saying up front. If you don't like it, don't check it out. Now, the other side of that is if you get somebody in charge of buying books who has, you know, some issues and they just buy all kinds of wild off the chart stuff. Well, that's a different story then. Right. But who decides that? You deal with that issue separately. If it occurs, you don't just ban everything because it right. might happen. Right. Right. But it's not, it, it isn't just America. I mean, this is one, one of the, the reports I think I mentioned in my blog was in Australia. Yeah. Um, they banned nudity in a changing room at a swimming club. And it's like, you know, it's a purpose-built room for getting changed. Exactly. Um, you know, and it's just like, oh, it defies <laughs> belief. Um, and the reason given was to protect the children. Well, what are you protecting them from? You're protecting them from getting out of wet clothes into dry clothes? Yeah, that, that makes no sense. It's kind of like... Uh... You can show up at a restaurant, uh, but you can't eat the food. You know, we're going <laughs> to <Yeah. laughs> ban food in restaurants because you never know. <laughs> yeah. Someone might choke. That's right. Hey, that's a good point. Or uh, you can't actually go to the bathroom when you go in the bathroom because, you know, for lots of reasons, whatever. But, yeah, you're right. That is a purpose-driven room. The locker room is for changing and used to be for showering, and maybe it still is in some areas. But 
Yeah, I saw that. That was in Australia. That's what was in your blog. Yeah. yeah. But but the interesting thing is that even in the US, I mean, swimming naked was something that was done, you know, even in the 50s and 60s, you know, the YMCA's oh, yeah. and the, oh, yeah. you know, um, swimming naked was the norm. It's, 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 to me, the most useless piece of clothing on the planet is a swimsuit. You got it. it, it it's not comfortable. Um, it doesn't protect your modesty, especially when it's wet. Yeah. Um, it, it's pointless. It doesn't give you any um, advantage in the water. Um, yeah. You know, and I personally don't own a swimsuit. All the swimming I do is naked in the ocean in the summer months. Yeah. Um, I don't go to a public baths or anything because I won't wear a swimsuit but you know it's not my favorite form of swimming anyway so um, I prefer ocean swimming. No that's very well stated and uh, yeah it was the norm uh, from basically the beginning of time in the U.S. through at some point really in the 70s the early 70s the uh, mandatory naked swimming in schools for males started to go away. I don't know if females ever swam naked in schools in the U.S which then we can have that debate again. How come the guys were swimming naked and the, and the, the girls had uh, clothes on? Well, that debate's going on with topless freedom in, in states in, in, at the moment. Oh, very much so. Uh, that's one of our other campaigns here. I call it a campaign. It's just something we promote a lot. You and I can go outside right now and work in our garden with no shirt on and no problem. Uh, a woman does that, and there's going to be a problem. Somebody will complain. The police might show up, especially in the U.S., but I don't know. Uh, we're, we have to get that right, correct? I mean, we have to allow women to be equal to men, at least in that regard, and maybe well, every regard. Oh, absolutely. I, I, yeah. You know, I, the part of my issue, though, is that when a guy stands up and says, um, you know, I, I want women to be have the freedom to not wear tops, it, it comes across as, yes, I just want to see naked women. Um, yeah. and, and that's probably not the message we want to sell. Um, but, yeah, absolutely, that freedom to choose. And it's not about you don't have to be naked, but it's just having the choice. You know, it's hot, you're exercising or sweating or whatever. If you want to be comfortable, it shouldn't be an issue. Uh, but society's decided it is, and... Um, and uh, I think, you know, it, it creates um, that, that oh, what's, the, what's the word I'm looking for? It creates that um, disconnect or that gender dis- inequality um, yeah. that shouldn't be there, you know. Um, yeah. it, 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 it's absolutely, um, it, should be op- it should be the choice of the individual to dress or not dress how they like. Yeah, that's perfectly stated. It doesn't mean women have to go out with no top. They have the choice like you and I do. You can go out without a shirt. You can have a shirt on. It's your choice. We've been talking to Steve uh, down in uh, New Zealand. He runs this blog called A Comfort of Naturist. goes by the name B.O.P. Badger. And Steve, I'm going to have you give out uh, some information how people can find you, how they can register for your blog. Uh, but before we do, where did this B.O.P. Badger thing come from? What is that all about? <laughs> I've when I was a little boy I lived in England and one of my favorite animals in England was the the badger um it's different to the American badger it's a European badger um and I've just it's always been my favorite animal um and BOP is an abbreviation for the Bay of Plenty which is where I live it's a region in New Zealand 
Um, so yeah, Bay of Plenty Badger is is really what it comes down to, um, and that that's that's pretty much it behind it. Well, that makes perfect sense. And uh, we've been talking to Steve, uh, the uh, writer, uh, the terrific writer, by the way, he does a great job of actual writing, and you know, I think you'll enjoy his content too. Uh, a comfort of naturist. And Steve, how can uh, our listeners find you and find your blog? Maybe put your website out there, your email address, whatever you want to give out. Now is the time to do that. Yeah, thanks, Frank. Look, um, the uh, the blog is on the Substack platform. Um, it, it's simply called A Comfort of Naturists on the on the uh, Substack platform. It's it's free to read. Um, I do have a subscription option for people who see value in it. Um, if they choose to support the writing, um, they can do a subscription, or there is a buy me a coffee um, option, but my intention is not to earn money for my writing. My intention is to spread the message of naturism um, to as many people as, as will, will accept it. Okay. Well, very good. Uh, B.O.P. Badger. We want you to check out his uh, blog, A Comfort of Naturist. And again, he says thoughts on nudity, naturism, society's difficulty in accepting people with a clothing optional philosophy. And uh, Steve, you're definitely one of the leaders out there. Keep on doing what you're doing uh, for the world of naturism and, and keep on encouraging people to try it. Because uh, like you, everybody I've ever known who's tried it had the same reaction. Why didn't I do this sooner? And I'm never going back. And that's what you found too, right? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's um, you know, I, I fail to understand why everybody isn't running around naked. Yeah, yeah. Well, we used to, as a society, we used to a few thousand years ago, but maybe one day we'll get back. Uh, hopefully it's not another thousand years because you and I might not be here. I mean, we're both in good health, but I don't think we're going to live to be a thousand years old. <laughs> no, we're not, but but I'm going to spend the rest of my days naked, so whether anyone else joins me or not doesn't really matter. It's, um, I've, I've found my happy place. That's a great attitude. Again, uh, Steve uh, from New Zealand, the author of the blog, A Comfort of Naturist. And Steve, thank you very much for all of your time. And uh, let's talk again soon. Have a great day. No problem. Thanks, Frank. Thank you. The terrific uh, Steve from New Zealand also goes by the name Bop Badger. And make sure you check out his blog, a terrific blog on naturism. The guy's an excellent writer and has a lot of great information on naturism. You can find him again, A Comfort of Naturists. Just type that in. It's also in the show notes. And you will find him. And uh, we thank uh, Steve for all of his time on last week, episode 31, as well as on today's show, episode 32. And don't forget, we are looking for your feedback, so hit us up on email, nakedforevermore at gmail.com, a direct message on Twitter, and of course on Spotify and our website. Well, thank you for being with us today on Naked, Nudist, and Naturist, episode 32 today. We give you a brand new show every Saturday morning at 6 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time. Continue to join us. Check us out on our website, nakednudistandnaturist.com, Spotify, Google, Amazon slash Audible, Apple Podcasts, and also on Twitter. You can write us anywhere, anytime, anyplace. And uh, we thank you for being with us uh, today. Plan to join us for every single one of our shows here and have your clothes off when you're listening. We have our clothes off when we're broadcasting, enjoying the naturist life. We celebrate clothes-free living for all. Remember to enjoy being naked and join us again for Naked, Nudist, and Naturist. 
We drop a brand new show every Saturday morning, so come back and join us. Have your clothes off when you do for Naked, Nudist, and Naturist. Have a great clothes-free day.